Chapter 27 Compulsion Hunting humans was not easy. Gwen complicated things with his own need to make sure he wasn't taking anyone who had children. It didn't help that he didn't have the ability to compel their minds from him. Even with his glamour, even with the charm he'd made for the purpose of lulling them, he could smell their fear. He'd never been the sort of fay to inspire trust and calm in humans. Even with his Driox, he was almost certain it made him simply like more of a righteous soldier than anything else. The charm he'd made was a simple thing. He'd realized his ability to make charms when he was a few decades old. His first was something he'd made for himself on a superstitious whim, heading into one of the first truly frightening and threatening battles of his life. In the end, he'd had several bones broken and nearly lost a limb, but he'd survived. He found out later from a mage that the charm had been imbued with a measure of actual, clumsy power. It was then he learned he had an aptitude for magic. The mage had asked him to train it up. Gwen had refused. He tried not to overuse his ability to make charms, but when he saw items that piqued his interest—a coil of vine, a piece of root, a blue metal stone—he would secrete them away in drawers and around his palatial rooms, saving them for when he might have need to construct something. His craft was rough, his charms looked useless, but were effective. He didn't push his luck with them. He knew from research that too many charms tempted poor fortune— so, when he made them, he usually only made them for others, or with others in mind. The one he'd made to charm humans to calm so that he could question them and find someone suitable for August was a rough, green thing, made of twisted-up leaves and a single piece of long field grass. The first two humans he'd had to release. He found it hard to predict the ages of humans. They'd looked too young to have offspring, but it turned out they both did. Now he found himself before a young male. He'd activated the charm, practically dripped with glamour, discovered that he had no offspring, could tell that he lived healthily, that he was fit and well. He looked around to make sure no one was watching, knowing the glamour would shield him from the artificial lenses of humans, and dissolved them both into light. August was waiting for him by the lake, as Gwen had asked him to. He didn't want to drag a human around the palatial rooms. The innate glamour and power of the Seely Court was rough on any human that visited. As soon as they touched down by the lake, the man was reeling away, gasping with fear again. He looked around wildly, couldn't help but sense the magic. It ate at him. Gwen swallowed. Hunting humans didn't make him uncomfortable, but this did. August stared with avid, bright eyes. He didn't tear his eyes away from the man. His chest began heaving. Compel him to calm, Gwen ordered. Calm down, August said, his voice hard. As the man shuddered to sudden, preternatural calm, August turned to Gwen and grinned toothily. For now. Gwen shivered. August's teeth were already sharper. His hands were tensing so that his fingers were positioned to best make use of his claws. Even his shoulders spread wider, and his stance shifted. Gwen could smell the man's fear in the room, waning now but he could sense the sharp loam of August's appetite. Is he suitable? Gwen said. August growled. The sound was so deep that Gwen felt it reverberate through his entire body. For several seconds he was paralyzed. It reminded him of the roars that some lion shifters gave to immobilize their prey. A moment later the man whimpered in fear, compulsion broken, the growl returning him back to terror. He stared at Gwen in mute appeal, deciding that of the two creatures in the room, Gwen was the preferable. Gwen hardened himself to what was about to happen, knowing that he would owe the humans a debt for this, and he would pay it when the time came. Make it quick, Gwen said. He teleported away, leaving August to his hunger and his prey. It disturbed him, more than anything, that August's hungry gaze, his predatory growl, had sent a frightened, desperate thrill through his own blood. It disturbed him that he liked it. He came by the lake twelve hours later and saw the shape of a perfect, shiny, ruddy red liver resting on the river bank. He had the trows come and remove it. He still couldn't look upon liver without remembering what he'd done, and he spent the rest of the evening pensive and uncertain. He was grateful that August had obviously fed, but more aware than ever that he had crossed a threshold and could never return by it again. 
He could not unmake all the decisions he'd made that had led him to this point, and he no longer even had the will to want to. He wanted August in his palatial rooms. He wanted him well and fed. It was likely all some terrible long game of August, but the more time passed that August seemed civil and sane, the more Gwen hoped that August was both of these things. Even when August betrayed him, he could do it from a vantage point of sanity and perhaps get something of a life back for himself one day. Gwen went by the lake three days later. August had still not emerged. Gwen didn't know how long he needed to digest his food, couldn't find reliable information about it, and besides, August didn't live like a normal predatory waterhorse. He and Ash had both forced themselves away from the natural law of things so they could have each other. On the fifth day, August found him in a dim room where Gwen dried long pieces of elmwood for future longbows that he made for himself and some of his soldiers. Gwen was checking the state of the long blocks, running his fingers along the grain, when his skin prickled. He turned quickly. August was dripping wet, naked, looked nothing like the aristocratic fay he was most of the time. His eyes practically glowed. Get out, Gwen said, advancing upon him. I can't have damp in this room. But secretly, even as August backed up with the slow deliberation of someone who was still wanting to hunt, Gwen was pleased. August looked well. There was a glossy sheen to his mane. It looked thicker than ever. He looked fitter, his body having gained more pronounced musculature even in only a few days. Tell me, August said, his voice even softer than usual, far more sinister. What's the appropriate way to thank someone for procuring a meal of that quality? Shall I fuck you? Gwen's mouth went dry, and August placed a damp hand on his sleeve, drawing him out into the hall, closing the door and pushing Gwen against it. Later, perhaps, August said. Later? Yes, later. I have plans for you. But I need to rest, and I would like some clothing. I believe I frightened several of your trows. August chuckled. <laughs> I didn't, actually. The Trows don't care about clothing. No, they don't, Gwen said, and reached up with his other hand, touched August's hair. It was a great deal coarser than before, and when he drew his hand away, droplets of water clung to his skin, cold and beating. August stepped away and squeezed excess water out of his hair, and then shook his fingers. Gwen was sprayed with several drops, pressed his hand to them where they landed on his shirt. August noticed, didn't say anything. Was. So he was all right, Gwen said. You've missed your calling, August said, starting to walk away. When you retire, perhaps you could move into procurement. It was the last thing he said before he left. Gwen felt a small flush of warmth at the praise. He rubbed his fingers together, smearing the water, then raised his fingertips to his nose. He could smell the lake. He could smell how clean the water was. The damp water that exuded from a waterhorse's scalp was filtered and pure, and Gwen inhaled deeply before wiping his hands on his pants and realizing he'd have to change. The drying room really couldn't have any damp in it, and he'd have to dry the room back out again. He couldn't go in while his clothing was wet. He walked in the opposite direction, alert to August's presence, aware of a faint pain in his chest that he couldn't shake. Two days later, Gwen was practicing his own stealth skills, walking silently down a long corridor towards the Trows' quarters. He passed one of the many textile rooms, where the Trows looked after clothing, towels, fabric, sheets, and blankets, and his eyes widened when he saw August carefully tending to his own clothing. He was on his own, not a Trow in sight. August didn't notice him as he hung two shirts, and Gwen kept on towards the Trows' quarters. It was odd seeing him do domestic things, especially things he'd didn't really associate with August. It never occurred to him that August might want to look after his own clothing. But then he was captive. Maybe he liked to control what he could. Gwen sighed, ducked his head, and slipped into the low-ceilinged central room of the Trows, watching as they all melted away from view. Normally they stayed nearby to make sure Gwen had everything he needed, but this was different. He slipped several small ingots of silver out of his pocket, and stacked them on a counter, along with a piece of parchment that was a general missive. Within it were two codes to hidden locations of a great deal more silver. 
Since the Troes valued silver so much more if it was stolen, Gwen had been placing large amounts of silver in places throughout the Fey Kingdom for some time, and then simply coded their locations into letters. The Troes had to work to decode the letters, and then they could all pretend that Gwen never intended for them to have the silver, and the Troes could pretend they had stolen it. It worked well for everyone. He slipped back out again, employing stealth again to silently make his way down the corridors. It was much easier now that he didn't have to worry about stopping the silver from clinking in his pocket. And then he heard something he almost never heard within his own palace. Singing. He froze, his ears strained towards the sound. His mouth dropped open. August? He crept closer, holding his breath, then leaned against the wall as though he could press through it and tumble through, get even closer to what he was hearing. For August was singing softly to himself, in a sweet, melodious voice. It wasn't strident or striking, but the sort of voice that shaped lullabies and gentle, earnest love songs. For August had always been soft-spoken, his cutting comments were all the more shocking for it, and his singing voice was an even shyer version of that. But it was perfect for what it was, and he shaped all of the words with care, singing as though he had always loved to sing, even though Gwen had never known this about him, never even imagined it could be possible. The dull pain in his heart became a sharp, brutal twist, and he pressed his lips closed around the agony of it, pressing his fists into his chest, feeling the fast, erratic thudding of his heart. His eyes squeezed shut, and each line of the ballad that August laid out into the world made everything worse. If he didn't know better, he'd say that August was putting some sort of offensive magic into his singing. But he did know better. You did it, he thought. You went and fell in love with him. You, of all people, went and fell in love with a water horse that is going to betray you. But now it's too late to do a thing about it. His eyes burned and he pressed his thumb and forefinger up to them, pressing in, breathing in slowly, forcing himself to exhale through the terrible mass in his chest. It didn't work. He doubled over, felt as though something in his sternum had cracked open, that he was bleeding into his chest cavity. He knew what that felt like. He had experienced it before. It was definitely comparable. August kept singing in that gentle, lovely voice, and Gwen grimaced because no, he didn't want this. He hadn't wanted this. Along the back of it came the knowledge that he had to get August out of the city court. Not just as a speculative idea, not just as something he knew should happen some amorphous day in the future. He had to work on it. He had to make sure it happened in his lifetime within the year, if possible. That was what he did, wasn't it? Liberated the lost. Gwen forced himself upright and crept away before August finished his song, beginning to gasp as soon as he was out of earshot. He staggered down a long corridor into a small storage room and fell upon a bench, shuddering out heavy sobs that ripped at his own throat. He pressed a hand into his own mouth and shook his head at himself, trying to get himself under control. August wouldn't survive the Seely Court. Someone would find a way to bypass Gwen's protection, and August would end up slaughtered as he nearly did the time he was discovered by Gwen's own soldiers. Gwen didn't care about the Seely version of right and wrong. His justice center was so far away from him he could no longer hear it. Instead, a feral beat inside of his chest, a wild keening hanging at the base of his throat where he couldn't utter it. He would lose everything for August. He couldn't afford his own heart. With the realization that he loved August, even though he knew it was a futile love and a destructive one at that, he found a focus, a task. He'd been desperate for a task since he defeated the Nightmare King in August, and now he had one. He spent hours in the libraries, poring over the oldest scrolls. He sat down on floors surrounded by scrolls and flaking parchments and torn documents, books so old that they needed spells to preserve their pages or they were turned to dust in his hands. He could feel the magic crackling around them, was grateful, suddenly, for the decades he'd devoted to dead languages and alphabets. He made notes as he went in a shorthand he'd devised for himself a long time ago, so that other Fay couldn't decipher his documents or strategies if he needed to jot them down. He altered the shorthand every few years, so that if, by chance, some cryptographer came to understand it, the code was already different. But there was a paucity of information, as he thought there would be. It wasn't a matter of simply releasing August into the greater Fay world, he could do that right now if he truly wanted to. He could speak the words, and indeed, they waited upon his tongue, and August would simply be free. 
He was the king of the Sili Fay, and with it came the immense power to lock and unlock the freedoms of others simply by speaking it so. It was a power he never wanted again. He needed to make sure August had a chance. The assassination attempts would come thick and strong and furious, and to that end August needed to be stronger in order to withstand them, or would need a greater array of powers at his disposal. Acquiring new powers that one didn't have an innate ability for was almost impossible, and usually happened through trade, with another fae who could dispense powers. There were very few fae who could dispense new abilities, and very few who were willing to give them up for already powerful fae like August. Then there was the fact that virtually no one would want to give more power to August. Gwen would have to trade something significant to make August more powerful. He would also have to make sure that at least some Fey were deterred from making those assassination attempts in the first place. For this was August, who was competent and frightening at times, yes, but who was also immensely vulnerable and not trained in strategy. He was versed in weapons that were suited for one-on-one combat, not group melees or other forms of attack. He didn't have any aptitude for magic. He couldn't defend himself from a distance. But for every ten scrolls he struggled through, with every book he tenderly turned the page of, sometimes losing track of what he was doing because he'd start thinking of August singing again, or the way he looked at Gwen sometimes, as though he mattered, he found little. With every shelf he trawled, he only ever found a line or two of information, and most of it he either already knew, was redundant, or unhelpful. This would not be easy. He was not liberating a forgotten pixie from the bottom of a well. He was not waking a sleeping princess from a tower of eternal sleep. He was not freeing Fay who had been forgotten, who were crimeless or who only had the crime of being on the other side of a war, who were innocent victims. August was loathed by the Water Fay, a pariah amongst many more. He was instantly recognizable, and he had a reputation that preceded him long before he'd ever been king. He was, after all, the Ak Ushka, after a long line of Ak Ushka. It didn't matter that his reputation had once been that of a healer, a loving brother. That wasn't his reputation now. But he hoped August's connection to Ash counted for something, because he wanted to use that, too. People adored Ash. They still adored him, even now that he was on the brink of his own sanity and hardly ever seen in the Fey world, drinking himself stupid amongst the humans and eschewing his responsibilities as king, if Gulvi was anything to go by. Ash was a golden light amongst the unseely Fey, and if he could use that... Days passed. He lost himself to libraries and court meetings and raising the statuses of underfay who needed to be able to defend their land. He only paused long enough to eat, didn't even search out the food himself. Often he simply looked up to find a picnic basket by his side. He would plow into the food, starving, grateful for the troves who understood him and his needs. He would need to head out into a battle soon, because the food was becoming less satisfactory, and he was working too hard to sustain himself without attacking and killing others. He had no idea how much death he had to eat to be healthy. He had no idea how he even fed off the dead. Only that as he cut down those in front of him with his sword, he was nourished by it somehow. Even as he hated it. Even as he cut down his own kind. The oldest lore was kept in a room only he could enter. It was one of the few rooms that he couldn't alter. Not the location. Not the appearance. It was so old it was virtually a fixed point in time and space. To get there, he went to the furthest edges of the palatial rooms and found a single, nondescript tree with a wide trunk. He pressed his hand to it, and the bark opened, folding back in upon itself. As he entered, a field of energy passed through him. It was warm, wet, invasive, felt like fish burrowing into his skin. But the fact that it only felt like this, and not an excruciating force that tore him apart— was the permission he needed to enter. No one else survived that barrier. He walked down a bottomless, tightly spiraling staircase through a narrow, cylindrical dirt shaft. There was no light. He could only feel his way down, one step after the next, deeper into the earth. It smelled of dry dirt, desiccated, with a faint, sweet odor of decay. Eventually the temperature started to warm. Occasionally, set into the dirt, Not quite flush with the staircase that had no landings, his hands would brush a circular wooden door, a metal closing, some sort of door handle. He didn't open any of them. His instincts bristled sharply through him down here. This was a world of worms and gods of death, and an underworld that he wasn't comfortable within and wasn't supposed to be, even if he was unseely. 
Rumors said that Baba Yaga had a door that opened into the staircase, which he had dismissed initially because Baba Yaga was unseely. But the first time he entered the space himself, he realized he wasn't so sure. He'd realized that there might be spaces in both the seely and unseely courts where pathways existed to this strange, frightening space, where his hair constantly stood up on end and his skin was constantly goose-fleshed. He walked down for another two hours. He'd never reached the bottom. The Oak King had said that it wasn't possible, and that he was told that by Queen Titania before him, and that the knowledge was passed down through generations of royalty. No end to the Black Abyss, only a steadily rising temperature and an increasing fear and desperation to get out. He wasn't claustrophobic, but this place wasn't designed to be welcoming. The closer he came to the oldest lore, the more his throat started to close. His gut ached, his bones throbbed. But there, finally, a soft door set in the dirt. It felt like it was made of leather, and Gwen had no idea what color it was or what animal it came from. It smelt like no other type of leather he'd ever encountered. He pushed through it into a small, candlelit cavern with dirt walls, dirt ceiling, dirt floor. On the far left, a single chair made of bone, flesh still hanging off it in some places, black and stiff. On the floor, a single rug, woven in red, green, and yellow to make simple geometric shapes, pleasing to the eye. And on one side, cabinets made of glass, modern make, housing words written on bark, in books, on the leather of animals and fay, on parchment and papyrus a repository of old lore. All of it banned now. It made the Fae too powerful. They said it was a magic from before the alignments existed, before the world was divided up into Seely and Unseely, predating the class system. Here, it wasn't so claustrophobic, but every now and then, the room rippled with a kind of heat haze. He'd only been down here a handful of times in the past. Each time, he left a little more unsettled, a little less stable, as though something was being shaken loose in his very soul. He hoped this would be the last time he'd ever have to come here. One of his ribs throbbed at his side, and he curved his hand back and pressed fingers to it, wincing. That had been old lore, too. And like sang to like, so the magic in this room sang to the gem that was soldered to his rib, sang to it and spoke a language that sent an empty, hollow pain through him. He didn't know how much old lore survived up there in the Fey world, though some of it did. His father would have paid dearly for the gem he detached to Gwen's side. It was the only thing keeping him protected. He lived every day of his life with something that broke the very tenets of Fae lore living beneath his skin. He was never truly aware of it until he was in this room, and then the gem hummed and vibrated, made his rib feel like it was tingling. He could feel the dark magic within it. Shadows twined together and then tucked within the stone, hiding his unseely energy from all who might spot it. It never felt more alien, more wrong, than when he was in this room. He walked calmly over to the glass cabinets and placed his hands against them. The glass didn't fog at his warm touch. He could never leave any fingerprints. Everything in here was impervious. Everything preserved. The candle flames had been burning at exactly the same level for as long as Gwen had known of them. That the candles had always been burnt down almost halfway meant that once, perhaps when the room was first constructed, it hadn't been locked in time as it was now. Once it had been a functioning room. Maybe it hadn't even been hidden in the underworld where almost no one knew of it and only royalty could enter. Take me to what I must know in order to liberate August Akushka, Gwen said, the warmth of his breath stirring no vapor up against the glass. He closed his eyes, waited, and then to the far right something fluttered on a shelf. He walked over and an origami bird hopped from foot to foot, fluttering paper wings. It watched him with lettered eyes, opened a beak made of pulped bark. Here again, the bird chirped, and so soon. First you want to take him down, lock him up. Now you want him free? Is the kingdom ruled by an infant? The bird laughed in a papery voice and then shot straight at the glass with a thump, right where Gwen had pressed his face. Gwen stepped backwards, shocked, even as the bird hopped back up to his feet and laughed. It was a disturbing sound. An infant according to your wisdom, Gwen appealed. We told you, didn't we? told you that you'd change your mind, and so sure you were that you wouldn't. No. You said? He must be conquered. I cannot see any future where he may wander free. The bird spoke his voice in a perfect facsimile of his own, and he swallowed to hear his own words parroted back to him. No paper bird should be able to speak with so much resonance. The price is high, the bird said. The price is high. For all of you. For you and him and him and her and her and her and him again. 
and higher than you know. Higher than your death, Gwyneth Mead. Are you sure you want to know? We are banned and hidden and kept away for a reason. Gwen pressed the flat of a hand to his own heart and looked around the room. Several other origami animals were now pressing curiously against the glass of their own shelves. An origami rabbit leaned its papery ears forward. A tiny fox paced back and forth at the bottom of the shelf. They all listened. He'd awoken the old lore magic that lived. Words that spoke. Will it buy him time? Gwen said, and the paper bird laughed, its beak hanging open, paper tongue fluttering. Will it work? Do you doubt us? Is that what the world has become? And you want to buy him time? What quality of time? He will have all the time he needs, locked up in a sealy cell. Don't tease him, the rabbit quietly chided, in a voice so soft that Gwen had to strain for it. Don't tease the child. He has love on his side. That still matters to us. Love, but not sense. Care, but not carefulness. All that wit, and still witless. Gwen sighed. He'd never heard the paper bird speak before, and now he wished it had remained that way. It does still matter to us, the paper bird said, but the price is high. Here, see for yourself. Look. And with that, the bird unfolded itself, and the glass cabinet opened with a click. Gwen reached out with a shaking hand, then paused. He looked down at the rabbit, who looked up at him. Is this folly? Gwen said. All life is folly, the rabbit said peacefully. Love is not. Love is the greatest folly, Gwen said. Aye, agreed the rabbit. It is the greatest folly. And with that, Gwen realized he had no choice. He picked up the parchment that had once been a paper bird laughing at him and read it. The letters changed before his eyes to a language he could understand, ink letters swimming like fishes into new words. And there he read of a magic that he'd heard of, had dismissed, because it had been forbidden even in the time when the old lore was still legal, still allowed. Oh, Gwen said. And you will need his brother, the rabbit said. And the bird is right. The price is high. A storm is coming, Gwen Abneed. And even if you weather this one, you and the others may not survive the plague that follows. Gwen stared at the rabbit, who turned its inky eyes up at him, and shrugged rabbit shoulders in a gesture not at all like the animal shape it inhabited. The others? The others, the rabbit agreed. The many. Gwen stared at the parchment again. For so long, his eyes started to hurt. The rabbit was right. He needed Ash for this. Ash, whom he'd been repeatedly turning away from the seedy court every time he drunkenly, desperately, requested an audience. Ash who had threatened to kill him after the public display. Ash who loathed him, the fay he'd betrayed to put his brother in a cell in the first place. Of course he would need his help to set August free. And of course the parchment would suggest magic like this. The universe had an odd sense of humor. He wasn't done with his research, still needing to aggregate several sources of information together, wanting a multi-pronged approach to the issue. More days passed. He started to lose track of time. Hours and nights bled into one another. His life was researching or the throne room, trying to decipher what Griel was up to, and failing. The wake she said she'd organized for Ephnician never appeared. She was up to something. He was several steps behind her plans, and he felt it as a dread locking up his spine. He was reading a long passage with no spaces between the words, no paragraphs, no indentations, sipping at willow-bark tea to calm the constant headache he had acquired getting through this monstrosity of a tome. He placed the tea back down absently, and then startled so hard that he dropped the book. August had placed a hand on his shoulder. Easy, August said, squeezing his hand over Gwen's flesh where it rested. Willow-bark? It won't be strong enough for whatever you're reading there. Gwen blinked his eyes clear, looked up at August, who was looking down at him, something like concern on his features. He wondered if August could tell, just by looking at him, how his heart twisted whenever he was present, how alert he became to August's presence, to everything about him. "'What are you reading?' August said. "'It's research. A strategy,' Gwen said, not wanting August to know what he was doing. If he failed, if any of it failed, he couldn't let August know. "'I haven't seen much of you lately. Do you need a break?' No, I'm... And then it occurred to him what August was asking. There was no smirk on August's face, only a serious set to his features, a slight downward turn of his lips. 
Today his hair was tied back away from his face with waterweed. He wore buckskin pants dyed black, a pale gray shirt of a linen-like material that made the green of his waterweed and eyes stand out. It matched the pale gray of his boots. Perhaps, Gwen said. He didn't feel like he was up to anything too strenuous. And since August had hurt him in the corridor, he became uncertain about how often he truly wanted the extremes of pain. He hadn't even been able to think on it often, wary of how upset he'd become afterwards. August's lips curved up in a smirk. But he didn't move to act, simply stroked his fingers down Gwen's notebook, across the shorthand, pursing his lips at it. "'I've been meaning to ask you something. Your immunity to compulsion is quite rare, even amongst Fay. Did it come from your father's side of the family?' Gwen hadn't been expecting the question, and he looked at August in shock, then shifted his folded legs out from under him and bent them together at the knees instead, resting the remainder of his body weight on a palm he pressed into the floor. "'No, it's not immunity.' I was taught. August's eyes widened. Lead too, Gwen expanded. Lead taught himself. So it's not immunity. They can actually affect you. Gwen shrugged a shoulder. If I wished it, I suppose they could. I have had the barrier set up in my mind for so long. It doesn't occur to me to take it down, especially not around water horses such as yourself. Oh, you've cut me to the quick, August said, smiling. Would you let me? Would you lower the barrier? August, Gwen said, staring at him. I've promised not to cause you permanent injury or death. It does extend a permanent injury of your mind. Let me try, please. August, if you think being polite is going to... Please, August said, affecting a look of sweet innocence. Gwen grit his teeth together. His heart was already pounding harder. Tell me what you'll do. I will only ask you to move the hand at your side down onto the ground. That is all. You know as well as I do that compulsions aren't permanent, and even with your barrier down, you are the king and could break it. There are many, many things you could do to me if I lie to you. August didn't look like he was setting a trap, but that was often when August was setting a trap. Still, Gwen was curious. He had always wanted to know what compulsions felt like, and he was curious because August had already taken over so much of his body and scenes. It seemed like compulsions weren't that much of a next step. To give up his mind temporarily and still be aware of what he was doing? To offer that of himself? Gwen searched for the barrier in his mind. It felt like opening several closets within closets to reach it, which was deliberate. He could only take purposeful steps in his mind towards that barrier, so that he could not be compelled to remove it. Once by its side, he willed it down in a way. It didn't feel any different. He wasn't sure if it would work. I think I have... Place your left hand down flat on the floor, at your side. Gwen felt his left arm move involuntarily, and instantly and instinctively he fought it, surprised at how much force it took to resist. August placed a hand on his chest, over his heart, finding the laboring beat and exhaling with a combination of hunger and something else. Don't fight it, August said. The sooner you obey, the sooner it falls away naturally. Gwen stared at him as his own hand moved flat to the floor, arm shaking, brow furrowed. The compulsion dropped away, as August said, and Gwen slammed the barrier back up so fast that he worsened his own headache and rocked forwards, head pulsing with pain. August was stroking long lines down his chest, didn't try to compel him again. "'I've used it several times and seen,' August said quietly. "'I would like to use it with you.' "'You're joking,' Gwen said, and knew that he wasn't. His curiosity had been met with an awareness of just how powerful those compulsions were. He'd always assumed that with his mental training, his physical prowess, his status as king, it would be easy to fight the compulsions. And indeed, he did sense that he could fight them, but he'd had no idea how much effort he would truly require. August was only capital Fay. He should not be so strong. Are you uncommonly powerful at compulsions? Yes, August said simply. I'm not sure why. Ash and I both, in fact. Though Ash rarely uses his, except, I imagine, to wish people a good day and use compulsion to ensure they have it. He sounded faintly disgusted, even amongst the affectionate amusement. I don't know about this, August, Gwen said. He looked up slowly. You don't know about this, like, sounding? Or you don't know, like, being choked until you pass out? Gwen flushed at the comparison. August's hand came up and cupped his cheek, and Gwen moved away wanting to think. 
August moved his hand and placed it on his upper arm instead, ensuring they were constantly touching. It was hard to concentrate with August so close, and he loathed that he was some stupid love-struck fool around him, around one of the most dangerous water horses in the world. Except that August had shown so much of himself that wasn't dangerous, hadn't he? That hadn't all been a lie, had it? No, only most of it, you dimwit, Gwen muttered to himself. It would please me very much, if you tried, August said. I know how much you wish to please me. Don't make misuse of my my desire to... I don't, August said. I swear. Gwen looked up and met his eyes, seeing only seriousness there. What do you need from me that you must compel it, instead of only asking me? I stepped up to a cross without knowing why. You did, didn't you? I want you to take yourself in hand... And bring yourself off for me, August said, a gleam coming back to his eyes, a smirk to his lips. He curled his fingers slowly and deeply into Gwen's arm. And I want to watch, and I know you will need to be helped along with that. Gwen's mouth opened on an O that he never voiced. August was right. His cheeks burned hot. And what would this be, if you weren't a little scared? August crooned. You shouldn't trust me. But you should let me do this. I don't plan on you regretting it. And with that, August stood and patted him on the shoulder, as though he were a giant dog, and walked out of the room. Gwen watched him go, and looked back at the book he'd been reading. In response, his head flared with pain, and he realized he was done for the day. Perhaps he'd go seek out August that evening. It was pre-dawn when he found himself lying back on August's bed, heart pounding out a familiar tattoo of trepidation. He'd spent the hours of midnight until approximately four in the morning, wondering if his curiosity would beat out his fear, and becoming convinced it wouldn't, until finally he'd wandered across to August's rooms and knocked nervously on the door, only for August to open and usher him in. August wasn't baiting him as much as normal, perhaps because he knew that Gwen was five minutes away from bolting. Even lying on the bed, clothed, he felt as though the top layer of his skin had been flayed from his body. Finally, August slid off his chair and crawled up onto the bed, straddling Gwen at the hips and looking down at him for one long moment before reaching for the hem of his shirt. He pulled it up with both hands, and Gwen arched his body upwards, completed the act of taking off his shirt. August dropped it off the side of the bed and then moved his hands down to the fastenings at Gwen's pants, and Gwen lifted his hips when August pulled them down. They, too, disappeared off the side of the bed. Gwen was naked, and August still fully clothed. Gwen swallowed. "'What is it in your head?' August said. He smoothed his palm up over Gwen's abdomen, watching the muscles twitch in response. "'Is it a wall? A saying? How do you keep the compulsions out?' "'It is a barrier,' Gwen said, licking dry lips with a dry tongue. "'It wasn't helpful.' And then August was sliding his wet tongue into Gwen's mouth and licking his own lips for him, sucking on his bottom lip, sinking teeth in to the point of pain. He licked his way back in and teased Gwen's tongue into action, withdrawing slowly as Gwen opened his mouth to follow August's tongue, until Gwen was touching his mouth to August's lips without thinking, tasting the water freshness of him. A barrier? That is all? That is how you think of it in your own head? Yes, Gwen said. Take it down, August whispered pressing his fingers to Gwen's forehead, as though he could feel the block in his mind. Gwen closed his eyes, took several deep breaths. This was madness. This was madness. But it didn't stop him from searching for the barrier, finding it, willing it to come down. Once more, he felt no different. If it wasn't for the fact that he'd experienced one of August's compulsions firsthand earlier, he wouldn't have thought it would work. August raised his eyebrows, and Gwen nodded a hesitant assent. Stroke your torso with your left hand, August said, his voice soft. Gwen's face screwed up as he felt his hand move without his willing it. It's easier, far easier if you relax, August said, keeping his voice soothing. That's easy for you to say, Gwen gritted out. Even so, his rough hand found his own skin, and he stroked down. A single, steady stroke. It was one of the most indulgent things he'd ever done to his body in his entire life. Good, August said. Good. Keep the barrier down for the duration of this scene. 
Gwen's eyes flew open. He stared at August in shock as a smirk appeared at the corners of August's mouth. He reached inside himself, found the lower barrier, and willed it back up again, and... nothing happened. He squeezed his eyes shut, brought his concentration to bear, and nothing. "'What have you done?' Gwen gasped, horrified. "'There's always loopholes.' August licked at the side of his face. Gwen was already tense, started shaking beneath him. He didn't want this. The duration of the scene... That only lasted as long as he wanted it to last, didn't it? He rolled over, pushing August away, and had slid halfway off the bed when... Stop moving. Gwen's body froze. He growled out a sound of frustration. Come back. And Gwen's body did, too open to the compulsions to refuse them, and aware that he might need his strength to seriously break them later. He wasn't willing to resist over these ones, not now. But he was still shaking when he lay back down on the bed, and he brought his knees up in a bent position defensively refused to make eye contact with August. "'Easy,' August said, stroking his flank over and over again. At that, he got up off the bed and withdrew two things from a drawer. The first was a vial of lubricant. The second was... Gwen grit his teeth together. "'No, August.' "'Yes,' August said, waving the dildo in the air casually. "'Yes, but I can wait. First you'll need to open yourself up for it, won't you?' What is your problem with toys, anyway? I could compel the answer out of you, but I won't. We all know how much you love your privacy. He dropped the dildo down onto the bed and then opened the vial of lubricant, drawing one of Gwen's hands up and slicking it himself. He then picked up Gwen's other hand and slicked that too, paying special attention to several of his fingers. Gwen turned his face in the other direction and stared at a fixed point on the wall. You, August said, are capable of so much pleasure. It is not only that you are barely touched and therefore starved for it, but also that you are simply sensitive. It is a crime that you don't explore yourself, that you don't, after a hard day, know how to lay yourself down and press fingers up inside of yourself, into that heat. It is beyond imagining that I know more about the inside of your ass than you do. How it feels, how tight it is. Gwen swallowed at the words, licked at his lips again. Lift your hips, August said. Gwen did so without thinking gritted his teeth together at the order. He would have done that without the compulsion. A pillow slid beneath him, beneath his hips and his lower back, and he realized it left him more open, more exposed. He wasn't remotely hard. Wrap your fingers around yourself. The compulsion didn't even need to be explicit. Unlike other species of fae that needed to be exacting in their compulsions, August only needed to hint at what he wanted, and the intent came through so strongly in his words that his mind could immediately divine his meaning. Gwen's hand moved down between his legs, and he cautiously wrapped fingers around himself, closing his eyes and blacking out the world as he did so. His grip was slick because of the lubricant, different to how he normally did it when he simply wanted some quick form of monthly stress relief. He was hot within his hand, warmer between his legs than his palm was. August was kneeling by his side, watching everything, close enough that Gwen could feel August's temperature against his skin. Yet he still felt far away, not touching him. You know what to do, August said, and Gwen made a fractious, frustrated sound as his hand started moving on himself. When he went too fast, August compelled him to slow down, and then slow down again. Gwen watched him, frustrated, but August looked intent, more focused than Gwen had ever seen him. Tell me how you feel, August said, and Gwen slammed his teeth together. His hand faltered. Gwen, August whispered, you can do this. <sighs> Fuck off, August, Gwen muttered, but juggling two compulsions in his mind at the same time was too difficult, and... Tell me. Scared, Gwen heard himself say. He closed his eyes. He didn't want to see the world. He didn't know how he felt, but the words came anyway. Intrigued. Concerned. Alone. Ah, August said, and then reached out and pressed his hand to Gwen's side. Alone. All right. Why? The wave of relief that Gwen felt when he realized it wasn't a compulsion was so strong that he relaxed further into the bed. I don't know, Gwen said. He was still chagrined at what he'd said. Don't compel it. I won't, August said, pressing his fingers into Gwen's skin with more pressure. Gwen shuddered out of breath at the touch. It wasn't much, but it helped. He became aware of himself again, the feeling of his own hand moving on himself, 
far more slowly than he'd ever done it in the past. The lubricant made the movement easy, but also made him more acutely aware of how rough his hand was, and he began to harden in his hand. He kept his eyes closed. This was not something he did, evoking pleasure in himself. His father had always had a very clear idea of how much pleasure he thought Gwen should allow himself in his life, and the answer was as very close to none as possible. "'Move your other hand between your legs,' August said, and Gwen shook his head. He knew what August wanted, couldn't not know from the time that August had laughed at him when Gwen said he'd never pushed fingers inside himself. "'Do it.' Gwen blew air out of his lungs as his other hand moved down. August spoke all the compulsions to him softly, but the power in them was immense. He was suddenly grateful for the training his father had given him, as difficult as it was at the time. He wondered now if he was more susceptible than the average fay, or if August's compulsions were just that hard to fight off. "'Stroke yourself,' August whispered. And even without clear instructions, Gwen's mind knew exactly what August was asking for. He moved his head to the side, into the pillow, as his hips arched up and he stroked between the cleft of his own ass, lubricant making each slide easier, his fingers dipping closer. He had hoped to pretend it wasn't his own hand, but he could feel his own fingertips moving, feel the slide of fingertips that he knew were rough from sword-fighting and archery, from hunting and training. A sound caught in his throat. August, can't you just do this yourself? (laughs) No, August laughed. I'm feeling lazy. You do it. Besides, I enjoy seeing you like this. A great deal. Face flushed, breathing unsteady, and all because I'm asking you to try something new. (laughs) Compelling, not asking. Semantics, August said, and Gwen grimaced. The compulsion to move his hand on his own cock wasn't falling away, wasn't going anywhere. And it was starting to feel good, sending lances of heat through him. He squeezed himself at the head on the upward stroke and groaned and August hummed a thick, happy approval at him. Reach yourself. Slowly. Gwen fought August again, feeling his whole body lock up as he fought the compulsion. August was stroking his side, and Gwen shook his head as the compulsion built and gathered strength, pulling at Gwen's resistance until he was shaking. He gasped and then exhaled a shattered sound as he felt his own fingertip press against his entrance and then push. He felt hypersensitive, feedback coming through his entrance as he slid in slowly, and his own hand, pressing into the heat of himself. August, Gwen breathed. I can't do this. You're doing it, August said. You're doing fine. Another compulsion, and Gwen was moving his finger back and forth inside of himself. The angle was odd. Everything about it was odd. His eyebrows pulled together as he attuned to everything happening to him. His other hand was moving so slowly on his cock that he'd almost forgotten about it. He wasn't like August. He wouldn't come from that slow pace. Another compulsion, and Gwen pressed back in with two fingers, more aware of the tightness than he'd ever been when he'd been taken in the past. He tossed his head absently and only realized he'd moved it towards August when fingers came up and smoothed his hair back from his face. He opened his eyes to see August watching where Gwen was stroking himself, fascinated. His own cheeks were flushed. He didn't understand how August was enjoying this. After all, it wasn't like when Gwen had asked August to do this to himself. August was beautiful, and he was... Gwen was functional. Gwen stopped moving. August's eyes snapped to his, alert. What happened? I'm not like you, Gwen said, not bothering to fight it. His mind was being worn out, and the repeated strain was getting to him. He started to think that maybe he should hire a fay who had compulsions as an ability to interrogate others. It was entirely too effective. I'm not like you, August. I don't know why you're enjoying watching me like this. <laughs> it's just me. It's not like when you do it. August dropped down in a crouch by Gwen's side, pressed his lips to Gwen's ear. Shall I tell you? First, stop moving your hands again. Gwen did, swallowing down a noise. Everything was slick and steady and warm. He could feel the light prickling away at him, creeping closer to the surface. You're not like me, August said, press of warm air into his ear that made him shiver. His hand tightened on his cock and his hips arched up. Now that August wasn't watching him, this was easier. I agree. You are a formidable, honed weapon, who just also happens to be this guarded, shy creature, full of sentiment and a vast, vast capacity for feeling. 
I used to think that you were emotionally stunted, but now I think that you are the culmination of years of carefully shunting away the raw, feral thing you are behind walls and doors. And whenever I find that, the hunter in me is so pleased when, because you do so love to be caught, you even love to struggle in the nets I trap you in. Gwen moaned, shot through with the bolt of arousal so vast that he arched his hips up for his own fingers unconsciously. August chuckled, licked into his ear. Do you like that? The idea of being hunted by me? Tell me. Yes, Gwen groaned. Stretch yourself. Gwen's voice caught up in his throat as his own fingers moved back to his entrance, and he stretched himself the way August had in the past. August was mouthing kisses into his jaw, his cheek, then licking his way back down to Gwen's ear. Gwen could feel the faint smile tightening his lips, imagined the expression on August's face. Three fingers. Gwen's mouth dropped open before he even pushed the third in, turning his head toward August and burying his face in the space between August's neck and shoulder. He cried out as he pushed the third finger into himself, feeling the ache of it. His face was burning, and his hand around his cock still responded to the compulsion from before, slowly stroking himself up and down. He was leaking pre-cum now, but still moving too slowly to come. The pace was impossible. It dragged frustration all the way through him. August, Gwen gasped. August, just... If you want to be fucked, Gwen, you're going to have to do it yourself. Gwen shook his head against August's neck, but the heat was expanding too far inside of him. He wanted to be filled. The fingers weren't enough. The angle was terrible. He was full and stretched, but it only made him aware of an emptiness inside of him. Tell me what you want. Gwen whimpered, tried to consider his words, but in the space he took to figure out what to say, his mouth opened and answered anyway. You, please. But you can't have me. August said, sounding far too sweet for someone who had that smug expression on his face. So if you can't have me, you'll have to have something else, won't you? You can pretend it's me if you like, but... August picked up the dildo and turned it in his hands. It's shaped differently. It will feel different. August slicked up the dildo with lubricant, and Gwen refused to watch, and all the while his hands moved. Even when he wasn't thinking about it, they were still moving, Parts of his mind partitioned off and controlled by August's powers. Though he experimented with the hand moving on his cock, he didn't do anything more with his other hand than let it follow the compulsion. It felt too strange otherwise. August shifted, watched the movements of Gwen's hands for a minute, a hungry expression on his face, and then reached between his legs, withdrawing his fingers where they were thrusting in. Gwen made a small sound of protest, and August ignored him, wrapped his fingers around the dildo. Gwen shook his head. This was not something he did. It was... Push it in, August commanded, and Gwen jerked his hand back and away from his own entrance, glaring. August looked up, delight in his eyes. I do so like it when you fight me. Do you want to see what happens when you resist multiple compulsions of the same nature? Let me show you. Push it into yourself. A spear of pain flooded Gwen's mind, and he growled in response, hands shaking as it tried to obey the compulsion while he simultaneously tried to force it back. August had said Gwen was likely strong enough to break his compulsions, and he turned his mind to it, gritting his teeth, splitting through the first, and— Gwen Abneath, August said, and Gwen felt rocked by the force of hearing his own name alone with that power behind it. Push the dildo into your ass, and don't stop until it's at least halfway. Oh, fuck, Gwen swore, losing the battle against August's will, his own traitorous hand moving back between his legs and pushing the blunt head of the object against himself. August was laughing in what seemed like quiet triumph as Gwen felt himself stretch around it. He gasped at the feel of it. August was right. It was different. He made a small, distressed sound, and August was still chuckling even as he pressed his hand to Gwen's chest and started rubbing circles into him in a way that seemed reassuring, except that he was catching Gwen's nipple every time. Gwen was approaching sensory overload between the hand on himself, the feeling of being penetrated by something cool and different and patently not August, and August touching him like that. I will, I will kill you. (sighs) Halfway yet, August said, smiling at him with such brightness that Gwen wanted to whine at the corresponding pain in his heart at that expression. He wasn't halfway yet. The thing he was pushing into himself had the same girth as August, and Gwen felt stretched already. Even with the lubricant, the other distracting feedback, he had no idea how people did this to themselves. He had no idea how he was doing it now. 
His hand slowed and then stopped. That must have been halfway. He gulped down huge breaths of air and then whimpered when August leaned down and bit at his other nipple, sharp teeth scraping over it. His hips bucked up and he wanted to reach up and dig fingers into August's side, press bruises into him in retaliation, but he didn't have a single hand free. He ground his teeth together. But I'm a sadist, August said, almost to himself. He looked up and eyed Gwen, contemplative. And you like pain. Trepidation made his heart skip a beat. Push deeper. Gwen's hand moved. He was sure he could break the compulsion if he put his mind to it, but he was so close to surrendering his mind over. There were too many points of contact on his body, too much to focus on, and he was starting to want to lose himself in it. His hand on his cock was terribly consistent. It was hard to feel ashamed of it now. The slow movements had been going for so long, he was learning things about himself that he hadn't known. That he liked to squeeze himself on the upstroke, with particular pressure to the underside of his cock. That he liked slowly brushing calluses over the ridge of his own head. He hadn't known that. Gwen recognized the point where August's cock normally bottomed out inside of him, and then cried out when he realized there was more of the dildo to come. He pushed the object deeper inside of himself, and then a dull flare of pain throbbed up the base of his spine, and he froze, eyes widening. August's cock was normally too much. This was definitely too much. Too deep? August said, and Gwen nodded, wordless. The pain radiated outward, and Gwen squeezed at his own cock to balance it out with the slow pleasure at his front. He shuddered through it, repeated the gesture. August followed that up by lapping at his nipple, then sucking at it. He looked up again, leaning over him and pressing lips to his, thrusting his tongue deep. But nothing felt as deep as what he currently had pushed inside of himself. His wrist was trembling. "'I'm surprised,' August said. "'I must be the perfect length for you.' Gwen moaned in something that could have been acknowledgement, and August hummed amusement at him. "'Still, I do like to see that face you make when you're hurting. "'Push deeper.' Gwen stared at him, fighting the compulsion, his wrist and arm trembling, his shoulder locking up. "'Now, now,' August said, a lazy, predatory hunger stealing over his face. "'Struggling against the net. "'Give it up, Gwen.' Hurt yourself. His shoulder unlocked, he pushed deeper, and the throb of pain widened, became a pool inside of him. He cried out several times, moving as slowly as he could in the confines of the compulsion. But he was pushing deeper, he hurt, he was doing what August had said. He tilted his head into August's body, hiding his face, and August said nothing, only kissed the side of his head, made reassuring, approving noises at him. He sobbed when the dildo was seated deep inside of him, when he felt his own fingers brush up against his skin. "'Look at you shaking,' August said, voice warm. "'Edged yourself there a little bit, didn't you? "'What is it like?' <laughs> oh, "'Too much. "'August, I can't. I'm, "'I'm not. "'Help me.' August growled at him, and Gwen's entire body tightened, clenched in response. He whimpered again, unable to keep his sounds down, muffling them in August's skin in the silty scent of him. "'By the gods, you are delicious when you're like this,' August said, breathless. "'Help you. Maybe. Not now, though. I had something else in mind. Keep the dildo deep and fuck yourself with it.' Gwen couldn't breathe properly as his arm obeyed. Everything turned unsteady, and his legs widened around the ache of it. He was fucking himself with deep, short thrusts that stole the air from his lungs and left him biting repeatedly at August's collarbone, where his wide-necked shirt had slipped. He only realized how hard he was biting when he tasted the loamy, coppery flavor of his blood. August hardly reacted, except to stroke him from neck to hip, over and over. Gwen sobbed. The dildo was too long. It was too deep. He couldn't find release like this. There was too much pain. He shook his head against August, and August firmed up the touch on his side, pressed lips into the side of his head. August didn't say anything until the compulsion wore off naturally, which was over a minute later. By then, Gwen was holding back low, deep cries in the back of his throat. There was a strange, aching burn inside of him, embers that sent up occasional sparks up to the very surface of his skin. As soon as the compulsion wore off, Gwen slid the dildo back until it wasn't painful and shuddered out a sigh of relief. August said nothing for several long moments, waited as Gwen caught his breath. Fuck yourself with it, August said again. Remember, slowly. 
The first slow, almost shallow thrust with the dildo brought no pain, only heat, and he tilted onto his back once more, pressing his head back into the pillows and closing his mouth around a moan that vibrated loud through his entire body. Does it hurt? <sighs> no, not any more, Gwen gasped, finding himself more articulate than he'd ever been during something like this. <sighs> it doesn't hurt at all. It's good. It's so good, August. It's too slow. It's too... <sighs> but it's so good. Gwen was vaguely aware of August reaching between them and undoing his own pants, and he groaned at the thought of August touching himself at the same time. August compelled him to keep going slowly, and Gwen realized as the minutes passed that it was too slow. He wasn't like August. Without a rush of speed, nothing brewed within his skin but a frustrating liquid light that swirled through him lazily, painting his nerves with arousal, but never letting him peek. More minutes passed, August following Gwen's pace and his breathing escalating, and Gwen suddenly became scared that August would come before he did, that August would let Gwen keep doing this and not let him stop. The wrist moving the dildo between his legs was beginning to hurt, and it didn't matter how often he squeezed or shifted his fingers against his cock, it wasn't enough. Please, August, please. August kissed his shoulder, exhaled shakily. I don't know why you're asking me. You're the one fucking yourself with it. Let me go faster. I can't come like this. Sweetness, August said, and Gwen's heart skipped over itself and he made a strangled noise. You can. I promise you. I can't. Can't you? August shifted up until he could press his lips back to Gwen's ear. How would you know? You've never done this before. You're simply not used to prolonged arousal, which is a terrible shame, if you ask me. Because look at you. You are a wreck right now. Do you think I'm a merciful fay? Truly. It so happens that I can be, but then I see you and... Push it deep again. The shock of pain as Gwen responded to the compulsion made his entire body arch up and back, trying to escape the pressure of his own wrist. And August was licking into his ear, licking the shell of it, kissing the fragile cartilage. Back to the slow pace of before, August whispered, the compulsion coiling through his mind. Pain faded back into tight coils of heat, and Gwen thumped his head back against the pillow. August's arm was moving between them both, and Gwen couldn't even tip his head down and watch. He could hardly think. It was warmth and light and a liquid laxness that stretched through his limbs and left him increasingly boneless on the bed, even as tension wound up through his spine. August, please, Gwen whispered. Tell me what to do. Fuck. August cleared his throat, and Gwen felt an acute thrill of pleasure when he realized that he was the one to affect August like that. Tell me what to do, Gwen said again, and August laughed. <laughs> Be patient. No, Gwen snarled, but his arms were shaking when he tried to move faster. He'd heard the compulsion to be slow so many times that he didn't know where to start in terms of breaking it. He suspected he couldn't break the compulsions at all without using his light, and that would be far too dangerous in a situation like this. He grimaced. August, be merciful. I could watch you like this for hours, August whispered into his ear, each word falling hot inside of it. Gwen's muscles coiled tighter in response, and he hummed at them. Perhaps if August talked to him, perhaps then... I could keep this scene going for days. Your hands would be sore, and your arms aching, and the inside of you bruised, and I would pull so much from you that you would lose your voice and forget how to say anything but my name and the word please. And I would do that, because I do have the patience for it. You are stunning like this. I loathe mirrored ceilings, but I'd consider it if it would give you a chance to see what you look like right now. And in the fervency of those words, Gwen flushed hot, his hips arched up into the thrusts. He realized he was far closer than before. Keep talking, Gwen gasped, and August smiled against his ear. One day I will hunt you, the way you wish to be hunted. I will stalk you through the forest, and you might even know that I am coming, and you might even think that you want to be caught. But there is always that moment, isn't there, where you realize the error of your ways, and struggle, and fight back. Gwen cried out. The words shouldn't have the effect that they were having, but that awareness was too far away, too dim. He ached to move his hands faster. He was building towards a crest, but so slowly he wasn't sure if he would make it. He turned his head toward August's mouth. 
Do you remember the first time I had you? August breathed. Gwen's mouth dropped open. He felt his cock thickening in his own hands. Sweetness, did you ever know that it could be like this? Did you... <sighs> August gasped. His arm moving between them became erratic. Gwen shook his head in frustration. He needed the words. The pace wasn't enough. He needed more. Oh. <laughs> August laughed, breathless, moaning softly as he started to come against Gwen's hip, painting him with hot stripes. Gwen moaned in frustration and want. You daft... Fool, come for me. The compulsion ripped through his mind and moved with the force of a juggernaut down his spine, turning everything to fragments of light. His spine arched sharply, his hand clenched hard around himself as he came. He couldn't hear the sounds he was making, only feel them scrape through his throat on short, sharp exhales. His orgasm was a wrenching force within, elongated with the help of compulsion, acute and edged to the point of pain. He was still mindless with pleasure when a hand eased between his legs and moved his limp fingers away from the dildo. August withdrew it with care, when Gwen felt the sensation of it only as another aftershock that made his back tauten again, a moan stretched through him. And then fingers were prying Gwen's off his own cock, threading through them and bringing his arm up and resting it flat on his belly. Gwen was still shuddering when August left and returned with a dry towel, wiping lubricant off his palms and fingers, cleaning him. Gwen was too limp to do anything. He was exhausted. Put the barrier back up, August said, and Gwen swallowed around a sore throat and searched in his mind for the barrier, willed it back up again. It shuddered back into place, and his brow furrowed to feel it. For so many centuries it felt unobtrusive, but after a time of being down, he was more aware of it now than ever. August pressed long, lingering kisses onto his skin, the curve of a pectoral, the concave spaces between the muscles on his abdomen, he licked at the sweat that had formed all over him, caressed him with a gentleness that was at once thrilling and unsettling. "'You're beautiful,' August said. Gwen's face twisted, his heart lurched. "'Don't.' August sighed, but didn't say anything else. He stroked sweaty curls back from Gwen's forehead, from his cheeks where they'd stuck to his skin. He used a clean edge of the towel to dry off a combination of sweat and tears from his cheeks, and Gwen felt his mind drifting. He was so tired.' He didn't want to sleep, but he'd even been putting off dozing, and he needed to rest. "'You'll never do that on your own, will you?' August said. Gwen thought about it, thought about the pleasure of it, found himself shaking his head. When would he ever do that on his own? Without the compulsions, there were too many points at which shame or embarrassment or self-consciousness would find him. August had reached between them, was cleaning himself off. Gwen listened to him do up his pants again, and then felt August lean his full length alongside Gwen's, rest a hand flat against his shoulder. "'I don't need to hunt you,' August said quietly. "'I know,' Gwen said, despair and pleasure turning his voice soft. He was already caught.'